Hey, this is Caesar, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, all right, all right. Let's silence it up real quick. Just, we have a lot of great questions and not a ton of time. Uh, so two of the faces here are, well, Lindsay, you're the more new face, but let me not put you on the spot. Uh, Danielle, would you like to introduce yourself first? Sure. Hi, my name is Danielle, and yeah. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? Uh, uh, I probably should have thought this one through. Um, just tell us a little about yourself, you know? Let us, let us feel like we're friends with you. Like, okay. What would you want us to know about you? Um, I have been coming to Mosaic for about two years now, and I moved here from California. I, um, I have type 1 diabetes, so if you hear my phone going off, I cannot silence it. It is my blood sugar, but I'm fine, so don't worry about it. I just, I'm going to silence it for now, <laughs> but it might go off again. Um, and yeah, I work in HR. I have two kids and I am adopting in the process of adopting. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, would you like to tell us about yourself? Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, my name is Lindsay Dennis and I've been coming to Mosaic for about 12 years. My husband, Kevin is one of the elders here and we absolutely love it. We actually started going, um, we were at the Disney campus for a while, and we work with a Christian organization called Crew, and we work with college interns who intern at, um, at Walt Disney World. So it's very magical. And I have four children, two who passed away shortly after birth, which is a story for another time that you're welcome to ask me about, and one who was adopted. He is six. He just turned six. And he's obsessed with cars and rockets. I made him a rocket cake that was pretty epic. Um, I like to make cakes in my spare time. Um, And I have a daughter who is three, and she loves anything, any stuffed animal, and twirling, and all the things. Um, And I'm currently solo parenting it because my husband's overseas. So you can all pray for me because I didn't have a great parenting day. So I'm showing up a bit raw and also very glad that I have a babysitter. So I'm happy to be with you guys. Awesome. Uh, And it's also a a side detail. You also discipled Danielle here, right? Yes. So Lindsay was my D group leader last year. And now I have D group at Young Adults, which is a shameless plug for D groups. Yep, it is. You're not in a D group. Nothing is said here without my approval. Uh, Yes. This is called spiritual multiplication. (laughs) Exactly. So if you're not in a D group and you want to join a D group, talk to Caesar, talk to Lee, talk to Jen. Um, get in a D group. Honestly, you can just gauge it. Like if, if their responses are good enough and you're like, oh, I want to sound like that, get in a D group. That's all I'm saying. That's... Anyway. I also teach the Genesis Bible study on yes, Wednesday mornings. Yes, they do, yeah. You and your husband both do on Wednesday mornings, right? Yeah, really. Honestly, I, I, it's funny. I didn't tell you this, but I walked in this Wednesday and I'd never heard you teach before. And I took to Jimmy. I said, I wasn't, that's not true. Now that I wasn't sure about how it would go tonight, but I was like, hey, if there were any doubts, there's none now. <laughs> Lindsay's amazing. So I have high hopes for you tonight. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. It can only go down from here. <laughs> I can't, please. Thank you. Uh, uh, Caleb, uh, you don't really need much introduction, but you know, let us know a little bit about you. 
Yes, I'm Caleb. And honestly, um, I'm really humbled to sit here uh, with you guys. I like, don't take this for granted. Um, I'm really moved that I get to be here with you guys tonight. And um, I apparently should adopt because that's what you guys are doing. So, (laughs) but a couple other things. I just love getting to be an uncle to my niece, Ari. We go get ice cream all the time. Um, That's more for you than for her, isn't it? uh, It's for both. (laughs) Uh, And my brother and his wife are about to have a second child, like maybe right now, I don't know. Um, And so that's exciting. So I'm really excited just to see what God does there. And just, I don't know, I I think someone, someone said this about 10 years ago, and it stuck with me as like, I've grown addicted to watching people's lives change. And so that's just my heartbeat is watching my life transformed by Jesus and watching other people's lives transformed. And so that's pretty much all I feel like sharing right now. All right, let's, <laughs> where do we go from? Yeah, let's, yeah. I feel more holy just hearing that. All right. Um, so I'll just dive right in. So the topic is hearing the voice of God. Now there's many ways we can approach this, but I thought we can um, dive in with a really simple question. Um, does God still speak today? Is Jesus alive? Then he speaks. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Hebrews 4.12, where it says, The Word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of a man's heart. So it's living. It's alive. The Word of God is alive. And what does it say in John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He dwelt among us. So I think that, you know, He speaks differently in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but he also speaks the same. And he's very much alive, very much at work, very much active in each one of our lives, in our culture, in our world. Um, And yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Anyone else can jump in on that. I mean, you can try anyway, but. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, like Lindsay said, God is the same God thousands of years ago as he is now, right? So time doesn't bound him. So if he is the same, it would be um, it would be incorrect to think that he acts differently just because it's different time, right? He still is the same person. And I think one of the things that we take for granted is that we have the written Bible, right? Like this is God's word. It's God's acts over thousands of years, but God's still acting now, even though it's not written in the Bible and it's not the clearly not the same as the Bible. He's still acting now. And I think if we talk to each other more about the way that God speaks into our lives, we would hear it. You know, it's written down. Our experiences with the, with hearing God are not necessarily written down. So that's maybe why we don't think that it happens as much. But if you talk to each other and have those deep, honest conversations, I think you will um, hear a lot of stories of God speaking to people in different ways. Caleb, would you like to jump in? If not, we can... I think, yeah, two things came to mind as you guys were sharing. That was so good. One is, um, I, I think Hebrews 1 says it really well. It moved me like powerfully like three or four years ago when it says long ago, God used to speak through the prophets um, and now he speaks through his son. And so Hebrews 1 is like an answer, direct answer to that. Does God still speak today? It's like long ago, God used to speak through the prophets and now he speaks through his son. And then Jesus says so well in John 14, 15, and 16, it's his last conversation with his closest friends, his disciples. And he says, I'm leaving, but I will give you my, my spirit. 
um, my helper, the Holy Spirit, um, uh, and he will, he will speak to you everything that I've already told you. And so long ago, God spoke to the prophets. He also spoke audibly. I'm reminded of First Kings um, when Elijah has had just an incredible experience with the power of God. And then he goes and hides because he's afraid for his life. He's going to die. I mean, very similar to like Emmy just sharing her sister's testimony, like wars happening. He's fearing for his life and he just watched God powerfully move, but now he's hiding in the mountains and in the desert. And he, he, there's a scene that happens. that's so beautiful. He's hiding in a rock cleft and there's this giant tornado that happens outside of him. And he thinks that's God. So I'm going to go talk to him. And he goes out and, um, and in the, the scriptures say God was not in the tornado. And then he goes back into the rock cleft and then there's this giant fire that appears and and Elijah's like, that's going to be God. So he goes out and the scripture just says, God was not in the fire. Um, and then he goes back into the rock cleft and then it, this gentle w- wind and he steps out and the scriptures literally say, and God whispered to Elijah. And so in the Old Testament, we see God spoke to prophets audibly. And today I've never heard God's audible voice. A couple of people I know have said, I've heard God speak to me audibly but I personally never have. And I, will, I long for that. I pray for that. Like God knows my heart. Like he knows, like I pray all the time. Like I just, some nights I'm laying in bed, like, God, can't you just show up and sit with me and meet with me here? Like, like it would be so much easier if you just appeared to me and talked to me. But Hebrews says, God spoke audibly to the prophets, but now he speaks through his son and his son says, now I'm giving you my spirit. And so his spirit speaks to us today. So that's what I was reminded of. Thank you. And it, sorry, I know we yeah. need to go to the next no, question, ahead. but it made me think that if you look at the Old Testament, when you, if you look at God audibly speaking, it didn't always, people didn't always listen. So I think sometimes we think if God would just speak to me today, I would surely respond. I would surely be obedient. I would surely do exactly what he said. But history shows that that didn't happen. And they, people ended up in a wilderness for like 40 years as a result. And then they had a really hard time getting into the land. They didn't really get the land because they wouldn't listen to God who was speaking audibly to them. Who was literally in a cloud of fire who was like in a tent of meeting. And Moses and their leaders would come out like shining in all their glory, having met with God face to face. And they would say, yes, we will do all that you say. And then they would turn around and do the exact opposite. So sometimes I think that when we really want to hear the voice of God, we think that we will respond one way and we forget that sin still resides within us and that we still have brokenness in us that keeps us from really hearing God's voice clearly. And so really it's the same things that enabled the people in the Old Testament to hear God, a broken and repentant heart that enables us to hear his voice today. Um, a choosing to say, yes, I will listen to you. There's a Hebrew word called Shema. It's in Deuteronomy 6. And it means to obey. If you read the Bible, it's often translated obey. But what it really means is to hear with a hearing heart. When he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's saying, listen with a heart that responds. And the people didn't do that. And often we don't really listen with a hearing heart. We want to hear God's voice, but we don't really want to hear and respond. And so I think part of hearing God's voice today is choosing to have a posture of humility and saying, I really want to hear what you have to say. I want to put myself under your authority and allow you to speak to me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know you have something great probably to say, but I, (laughs) you're a great host. Um, No, I think that I love what you just did there because the simple answer to the question is yes. But the deeper question under the question is like, 
I think I know God still speaks today, but what's really going on in my heart, you know? And I was just telling one of my friends today, I played paintball on Saturday with some friends. And um, it did not matter what my teammates were yelling across the field. When I was behind a bunker and bullets were flying at me, okay, I could not hear them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't matter if we had a game plan right before, you know, like, okay, who's going to go right? Who's going to go left? Who's going to go middle? It's like, okay, okay, let's go. You know, 10 seconds later, I could, I could care less what they were thinking or doing because there's like bullets flying at me, right? And I'm freaking out, right? And so I think that like, that's a lot of times how life goes with the voice of God is like, like, does God speak? Of course. But then when like life hits us, it's so difficult for us to actually be still and listen to his voice and respond. And, and I feel like a lot of times that's, that's my experience too. Yeah, I'm going to go a little off book here because there's something that you're kind of pointing towards, Lindsay, that I, I it's, not, it's not on tonight's conversation, but the way you're kind of phrasing hearing from the Lord, and it's often like when we come in prayer, right? Like we, we pray and we hope that he will respond. But the way you're talking about it feels different than what I think most people relay prayer to be. Right, we say prayer, and often I think we downplay it. Prayer is just a conversation with God. That's often kind of what we hear, right? But the way you've painted it is, man, like it, it's not, it's not really a conversation in in its like flippancy. It's like I'm here, coming to you, and I need to obey everything that you're saying to me. Um, why do you think it is that? And it may be a bigger question than we have time for, but I'm going to go for it. Why do we downplay prayer? Why do we make it so flippant? Why don't we hold people to a higher standard when it comes to that? If our intention in prayer is to not just obey, but to obey with a hearing heart, what's stopping us as a culture and what's stopping us in our hearts from, from doing that? Yeah, I'm asking you. Yes, do you. <laughs> you have a thought, though. Um, yeah, you know, everyone well, wants to go. <laughs> I think um, one of the things that we, the reason why we downplay prayer, in, especially at least in my situation, I feel like it feels like I'm out of control. Like a lot of times we think if I do A, whether A is prayer or whatever you think it is, and then B happens, I'm going to get C. But in that proper like spirit of prayer, it's a surrendering of control. It's not, well, if I do God what you want, and I ask you for this thing, you're going to give me this thing. True prayer is, okay, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm, I'm bringing what I'm dealing with to you. But at the end of the day, I can't do anything about it. Like, like Emmy was saying, like, I'm going to surrender that, and then I'm going to be obedient to what it is you're calling me to, not what I'm asking you to do for me. And if you think of the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father who art in heaven. First, it's an understanding of who He is. He is my Father. Hallowed be thy name. You are a holy God. The Lord's Prayer doesn't even get to our request until the end. And we don't often start with a sense of the holiness of God because oftentimes we don't know who God is. I was thinking about this this morning in, in the lines of... Um, how do we know the will of God? Well, we know God. How do you know what Caesar likes to eat? I mean, does anyone know what Caesar's favorite food is? What would he want? To, what, would he, what would be your will of what you would have for dinner tonight? Anything with shrimp. Anything with <laughs> shrimp. Okay. So how many people knew that? Anyone? His wife maybe? Is Rachel? Rachel? Like, seriously? <laughs> Raise your hand. 
Oh, there she is. <laughs> I didn't know where you were. I can see it. So if you knew Caesar, you would know that he likes shrimp for dinner. And I think that's very basic. But it's the same with God. If we know God. Simple guy, you know. <laughs> if we know who God is, then we know what he desires for us in his life. And he's, very, he's actually very clear what he desires for his life in this book. Um, and sometimes I, I, get, I kind of chuckle to myself. Maybe not chuckle. Maybe it's a lament because I, I want to know all these other things about what God wants me to do, but I have a really hard time following all the things he's already told me to do. <laughs> and so why don't I position my heart to respond to what he has said and how to live and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you love his word, you'll be like a tree planted like the streams planted, what is it? Planted like a, next to a stream of living water that produces its fruit and yield in, in due season. And all over scripture, it talks about when you put yourself under God's authority and his commands and choose to live out what he has designed and choose to love his word, which he has spoken to us, for us, for our encouragement, for our growth, then everything else kind of falls into place. And that's not to say we don't need to have processes for, for making wise decisions and figuring out who should I marry and who should I, should I take this job. I mean, let me tell you, when I met my husband, um, I, I thought that he was going to propose to me a year before he actually did. And I was ready. And we were actually, it was our one-year anniversary. It was like six months before he actually did. And I was like, this is the night. And I'm ready. And the, is, I know that, that God wants me to marry him. And, I, you know, I was looking at all the spots that someone could be hiding with a camera. <laughs> Our conversation did not lend itself to be like the engagement kind of conversation, but I still held out, held out hope. Um, but I didn't know that he was in a process of figuring out whether or not God wanted him to marry me. And I'll tell you, I did not know that it was God's will that he would be my husband until I walked down the aisle and said, I do. It was one foot in front of the other. It was Elizabeth Elliot. If you know who she is, get her books. They're amazing. She says, do the next thing. And it's just a life of faith. Sometimes we want to hear the voice of God to tell us something specific because we don't want to live a life of faith. We want to just know, right? And God wants us to live a life of faith that is like, apply here. I sense the Holy Spirit that you're saying that you want us to pursue adoption. And I don't know if I'm totally ready. I don't know if this is it, but I'm going to move in this direction. I'm going to ask this person out in faith, <laughs> It's all faith, you know? You don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I just think that is the beauty of getting to walk with God and getting to understand who he is and how we can know him. So I don't know if that is the answer to your question, but I just, I think sometimes we don't want to live a life of faith and we don't want to put ourselves under his authority and, and we don't know him. And he wants us to know him, which is incredible. The creator of the universe wants us to know him rightly. I mean, how awesome is that? Um, I think we're all asking this question. Can I join your discipleship group? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Next question. Wednesday uh, mornings, Genesis study. Uh, I know we got a little bit ahead, but I, I'd like for us to back up just a little bit in terms of does God speak today? Because I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, um, Caleb. Um, and I know there's different, differing opinions on this, but uh, do you believe God's voice is audible today? I believe God is totally able to speak audibly today. Yes, 100%. I think um, God has made it clear, though, that he primarily speaks through his son, and it, which is 
we now have God, God's son's words through the scriptures and um, by his spirit through his words. So is God able to? Has God, is God probably speaking audibly? I would say, I would go as far as say probably he is speaking audibly to some people, but he primarily, he's made it clear that he primarily communicates through his word um, by his spirit. So. Do you guys feel like that's where y'all land as well? I agree. I mean, I think he's, he's, I mean, he said you went to John 14 and I had it marked in my Bible um, as well. So uh, you already went there. Um, but I just, in verse 26 of chapter 14, it says, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So, you know, we, we, he has given us the Holy Spirit. If you, if you know Christ, if Christ is in your life and you have accepted him into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy, in Ephesians, it says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And it says also in Ephesians, to be filled with the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but he wants to fill you up, which means he wants to control you, which means you have to surrender control of your life, which is so hard to do. And I'm telling you, as a parent, how many times I am saying to the Lord, Holy Spirit, I give up my time right now. Holy Spirit, will you control? Will you control? I, I just want my child to nap. Like, I, am a, I want my child to nap right now. And I'm going to make it happen because I desperately need this time. Instead of, Holy Spirit, fill me, help me, the fruit of the Spirit to flow out of me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Please, Jesus, help me. And he does because he answers that question uh, with a yes because we know that he says in John, uh, you have whatever you, whatever you ask in my name that is my will, you have what you asked of me. Well, we know it's his will that we're filled with the Spirit because he says it. And so when we are filled with the Spirit, we can hear him speak to us through his word primarily. Um, he will use other people as well. I think that I do believe that you can still hear him speak audibly, but that should not be what we pursue. That is not the norm of how he speaks. And it's not even the norm of how he speaks in the Old Testament. He spoke to a few audibly, but the majority of the people had to follow and listen to how he was speaking to other people. So I think that sometimes we think that that's his, the normal, but it, it, it isn't the normal. Uh, the normal is to be faithful and to follow a holy God, regardless of whether he speaks or not. Um, you read the Psalms or Job, and their cry, the cry of their heart so often is, is, where is God? He feels silent to me. So, so even in, throughout, throughout history, people have felt like God is silent, but they've still chosen obedience and faithfulness. So I would say, yes, God can speak audibly, but we should not pursue an audible hearing of God. We should just enjoy it if it comes and then check it, test it with scripture and with other people. Like, is that really from him? I, if there have been a few moments in my life where I have not heard an audible voice, but since very, very distinctly God speaking to me. I would say an impression is more clear. But I would say, I often, when I say it, I say, I think God spoke like this because I don't want to be so prideful to think that it can't get a little clouded. It's like, it's, it sounds like God really did speak to me in these moments. And I want to be humble in that um, because it's, it's the voice of God, right? <laughs> so we need to be careful when we think we hear it and how we speak about it. I think even just to add to that, two, two thoughts. One is that like going back to God's character is he does want to speak to us. And oftentimes I think I approach God as if I want to speak to him more than he wants to speak to me. And the reverse is true. He's always wanting to commune with me. He's always initiating communion with me. It's me actually that only wants it sometimes. And I think that that 
if I believe the opposite, then I actually am limiting my intimacy with him because I actually believe that it's only when I initiate conversation with him, he wants to talk, but it's the reverse. And I think also secondly, just speaking really practically as you're speaking, I'm feeling convicted and I'm feeling the spirit revealing in my heart ways that I don't live up to what everything you're saying as the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And I can feel a desire to reject that as you speak because I want to justify my life. And so I just want to encourage you, but also us. It's like God is speaking right now to you and she's talking about receiving, but our flesh wants to reject the truth. And so just embrace the truth and don't justify your life. You don't have to. Receiving brings that freedom because God is speaking right now through his scripture and through his people to us right now. I think we also have to trust that, like you said, like the Holy Spirit does live inside of you if you are a believer. So he's guiding your, your, your soul. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he's going to make it clear that he's speaking to you. You know, you can trust that, that he will give you discernment, especially if you are in a position of, like you were saying, humility. Like you can know, okay, I'm not, I'm not seeking my own will in this moment. I'm seeking the Lord and then pray and say, hey, give me that discernment. And the God who, um, who loves wisdom will grant wisdom to those who ask for it. Um, I love what you said, Caleb, that often we come to the Lord as if though we want to speak to him more than he wants to speak to us. Um, and, and this next question is a little bit more along those lines of that, I guess, that narrative that we tell ourselves. Um, it, it, the way it was written was it, it seems like God spoke a lot more during the Old Testament. And I would even say like it could feel like that in the New Testament too with prophecy. But he seems so quiet in my life now. Why does it feel that way? I was thinking about this exact question earlier today, um, just thinking back on times in my life where I have felt that impatience and that frustration of God. I just want to know what you want. Why aren't you telling me? And almost that like, you know, that, that angry questioning that you see in some parts of, you know, of the Bible. And I was thinking about how God is a God of patience and he doesn't work on our time and he knows what's best for us, and he gives his children what is good for them. And so I was thinking, well, what part of the Bible talks about him giving us what's good for us? And that's Romans 8, um, where it talks about how uh, I had it pulled up right here. Um, it says that we know that for those who love God, this is in um, chapter 8, verses 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we hear that verse a lot, right? It's a verse that we use to comfort. But then when I started looking around it, I looked at the verses right before, and it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And it's no accident that those are the verses that come right before the verses of giving us what is good. That's not just about giving us, you know, the perfect boyfriend, future spouse, giving us the perfect job. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about, about us praying for what we actually need. We don't know what we actually need, but the Spirit does, and that's how he intercedes. And so I was thinking about those times where he seemed silent, 
And I thought, okay, God, you, you intercede for me. So even if I am speaking the wrong things to you, I'm asking the wrong questions, right? But um, that the Spirit is making that intercession and he's asking the right questions for me. Maybe in that moment, it is my good that he is not answering those questions. Because what if he did? What if he did answer the questions that I was asking? First of all, he could be answering the question and I just don't want to listen. <laughs> he could be giving me the answer I don't want. Or maybe he is withholding the answer because it is for my good for that answer to be withheld and that maybe I need to be focusing my attention somewhere else. You know, just, just living first in light of that, that um, correct vision of God will help us to then orient. And over time, the Spirit will continue to work and work and work in our hearts until we learn how to... Um, come before the Lord in line with his spirit. But in the meantime, he intercedes for us. So that was comforting. I love that because I, I think that in times where God does seem silent, we think that he's not present. Um, and we mistakenly, maybe we turn away from him or maybe we turn to other things that are more present. And we forget that God is present in the valley and on the mountaintop. And I, I think that, in my opinion, we lack a lot of perseverance in God's Word in our culture today and a willingness to stay the course when God is silent, when we feel as if God is silent. And just a little bit of my story, um, when I was pregnant with my firstborn daughter, we found out in utero that she would not live once born, and we chose to carry her to term. And and I'll say as a side note, we chose to carry her to term and it, because we sat in that office and he told us what most people would not choose to do that. But because I knew God's word, I knew that his will was life for her because I knew that he was the creator of life and she was created in the image of God and that God was the one who got to take life. Um, and so that was ready on my lips and on my heart in that instant when we were given that choice. And I didn't even have to talk to my husband. I was like, no, that's not an option. We will carry her. We carried her to term and she was born nine months later and lived for 10 hours. And then we found out six months later, we're pregnant again. Doctors didn't think it could happen again. And God was very real to me in that time with my first daughter, Sophie. I mean, he was present. I could hear him. His words were alive on these pages. And God was using her life and it was incredible. And then we found out that my second daughter had the same condition. And I knew that I was going to have to walk through that again and say goodbye to my second daughter. And I have never felt so distant from God. Whereas God was like, I was all about him. The second time I was like, I'm not sure about you. I'm not sure about how you work, but I have been so in your word and allowed your word to get in me that I can't get away from the fact that you are still a holy and good God. Your holiness and your goodness does not make sense to me in this situation, but I know that you are good and you're holy. And I'll tell you for the next, I mean, God didn't meet me, but for the next year and a half, he felt very quiet. I would read and I, my eyes would glaze over. I'd be like, what words that used to jump out on the page to me felt so like, I don't even know what I'm reading anymore. But I stayed, my posture stayed towards him. Now it wasn't always a happy posture but it was a posture that was like, God, I know that you're real. I'm not gonna turn my back because I know that you have something for me in your timing, in your way, that you wanna meet me. So teach me how to stay the course in this season of suffering. So God might be quiet in your life, but he is still very much at work. And I will tell you now, looking back, that was um, almost nine and eight years ago. Looking back, God met me in the darkest, quietest place. 
where I didn't feel like I heard his voice very clearly. And I felt more pain than I felt joy. I felt more distant, more confused about who he was and his word. But I look back and that is where God did a work in my heart that I had never experienced before, where God rooted me in an understanding of who he is, his covenant faithfulness. If any of you are studying Genesis, because I'm doing Genesis right now, and I'm an Old Testament girl. Um, So I was very proud of all of you who are sitting and reading the Old Testament. I mean, I love the New Testament, but I do have favorites, Jade. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm sorry you said the Old Testament. They're both amazing. I mean, they're both what God's word. Okay. I feel like I need to justify it, but I just love the Old Testament because I just see, think you see the faithfulness of God um, to speak to his people, to meet his people in, in every situation. And then obviously because of Jesus, we now have access that in ways that people in the Old Testament did not have access to God. So I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but um, there. Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you for all of that, though. I mean, even just hearing that story, like I'm, I'm moved to tears, not because, I mean, I am saddened by the, sh- the story, um, but how quick I am to abandon my trust in God. And I've never even remotely experienced anything as as painful as that, and yet something as... I don't know, trivial as like not, I don't, I don't, I can't, I, I honestly, it all feels trivial when I think about it in comparison to your story, but how quick we are to, how quick I am, I came, I don't want to sign you all up for this, how quick I am to abandon trusting God when it gets a little too difficult. It's, it's, uh, it kind of reminds me of that psalm, like, I forget how exactly how, I'm not that psalm, but that hymn um, of when darkness tries to hide the face, like, Darkness tries to hide the face of God to us. Um, and I think this kind of leads to this next point of, I mean, like, how do I know what God desires for me if he doesn't tell me directly? Because, like, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, he does speak pretty clearly on certain things, on most things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but he doesn't say, like, okay, take this job or that job, or marry that person, or break up with that person, or uh, apply for this or not for that, or go to this church or not that church. He, he doesn't specifically say those things. So, so how do I know what God desires for me? How do I hear him if he's not telling me these things directly? Like you're telling me to go to his word, place faith in him, but, but if I don't hear him audibly, or if I don't hear him directly or clearly, like make a left here, if he doesn't Google map my life, how... How, how, do I, how do I do this? How do, how, how do I make decisions in this life? It's almost like I was having a conversation today with somebody about the difference between, um, like, uh, am I over-trusting the Lord? Like, what, at what point do I make a decision? And is it him? And, like, and I, I mean, my thing was, like, you always trust the Lord in everything that you do. But I felt even stuck in that moment. I'm like, oh, I don't even really have an answer. I'm going to try to give you an answer, but I don't really have an answer for when, God doesn't give a specific answer to a specific question. How do we navigate that? Caffeine and casting lots. Just kidding. <laughs> um, just kidding. <laughs> First, I just want to say praise God for you, Lindsay, and sharing your story. Like, it's moving. Um, I feel like I'm the least equipped for this question. Um, <laughs> so I don't have the answer. <laughs> Thanks for admitting that. Um, (laughs) Truly, though. um, Yeah, I feel the most unequipped because, like, I love the scriptures, and I feel like that's where we stand on. 
Um, but I do think they speak to this. Um, I think one verse that comes to mind is obviously um, there's wisdom in the presence of many counselors. Um, but also, just as you were asking that really legitimate question, I couldn't help but just want to ask a follow-up question of like, uh, how much do you really actually want to follow God if he speaks to you? Because I think that is a really good question. But truthfully, 99% of the time, I, that the problem isn't that God's not speaking directly to me. It's that I don't want to listen. So I think if that actually is true, that you are listening and submitting your heart to him and he's not speaking directly to you, I think that's where the community of God comes in. I think it's the whole point that you're not alone. You're, you're in the family of God. You have brothers and sisters. You have mentors. You have the people who are discipling you. You know, I think that it is a legitimate question because there are many times in my life where I feel like I'm trying to pursue the will of God. I'm trying to follow him. I'm trying to listen to him. And, and I'm trying not to resist him, but there's just some things I need help on. And that's where I go to my brothers. That's where I go to my mentors. That's where I go to people who disciple me that are wise, that are that I trust. And then usually they draw out from me really what the real problem is, or they just go, man, you're being silly. It's, it's, it's both good. You know, like a quick example, I think it was like one time I was at my friend's house, him and his wife were having dinner together. It was fun hanging out with them. I went to high school with them and they started fighting over if they should have kids or not, you know? Um, and, and, uh, not really fighting, but they were like debating it. And, uh, and the husband was like, we're just not ready yet. We need to wait longer. And the wife's like, no, we're ready. We have kids right now. And, you know, it was funny to watch them banter back and forth, you know? And then I just realized they're fighting over two good things. Like they're fighting over building their marriage um, in a, in, in without kids and they're fighting over having kids. And so it was just cool to have, be that moment. It's like, look, like both can honor and glorify God. Both can honor and glorify God. You can have kids or you cannot and they both can bring glory to God. And so I think ultimately like, what I'm trying to basically say in that is, is that sometimes if I don't know what God is trying to tell me directly, like having that counsel in my life is helpful. And sometimes it's just simple as I could go either way because they both can bring glory to God. So... Yeah, and I think on top of that, it's really being willing to examine yourself and your motives. Like, yes, there may be two choices in front of you, but at the end of the day, like you ask the Holy Spirit to look at your heart and say, what is motivating me to make this decision? And is what is motivating me something that's sinful or something that's glorifying God? Because I think sometimes we know that we have sinful motives and we want to hear God say, well, no, it's okay because I'm calling you to that even if maybe it doesn't even seem like it's overtly simple, but the Holy Spirit will convict us, you know? And so maybe God is not giving us the answer to our direct question because he's letting the Holy Spirit stir in us what the deeper question is that we need to answer. And if you know, if you have searched your heart and you know like that you are not, um, that you're not seeking something for sinful motive, like you were saying, two good options, I think we also have to walk into that decision with trust with trust that no matter which option that we choose, as long as we are not walking in sin, that God is going to control that, that he's not out of control. We're not going to pick something and he's going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't know he would pick that. You know, like he's got us. So if we do have two good decisions, you know, it's our responsibility to take that adult responsibility, you know, and have consequences for our actions, whether that ends up being a good choice or a bad choice through the counsel of others and then say, God, whatever does happen, even if I do choose a decision and it's not in sin and people have counseled me into it and it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to, that that's for my good as well. And he's going to work through that and teach us in that. Yeah. I, I love it. You said that it, it especially speaks to my, to my story. Cause like, I think what can happen is when, when we th- there's multiple options on the table, we feel like there has to be one right one. And if we choose any other one, then we'll be punished. God, and like, I don't, and that like shows how 
wrong we get God's character, right? Like he's not, he doesn't set up a lot of situations and be like, okay, you better pick the right one. Otherwise I'm going to punish you. I remember like right, actually right before, um, not many people know this, but I, this wasn't, <laughs> uh, do I tell this? I'm doing it. Um, this was not my first choice job. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I did this reluctantly. Um, when I, right before the previous director was, was leading, um, there was no space for me to have a job at Mosaic. And I was like, Lord, I'm about to get married. I need a full-time job. I, I can't be a part-time worship leader forever. Like, I, like my wife deserves better. Rachel deserves better. And, and uh, I was like, Lord, I'm, I, I need your help. I need direction. I need you to, to supply me a, a, a job. And so after finally um, interviewing for a couple of churches, there was one in Denver that offered me a job. And that's, I remember it was like December, it was like halfway through December. It was a Wednesday morning. I was sitting at, at my parents' breakfast table and I was just doing something and I got a call. They said, the job's yours. I'm like, great, I'm gonna tell Rachel. And then like an hour later, one of our pastors called me and said, hey man, I, I know we told you we didn't have anything for you and I don't know what's happening with that church in Denver, but uh, can you hold off for a second? Um, we, we, there's a job we might think you want. Um, and I was like, what could possibly be open? Like, there's a missions pastor open. Like, you don't want me to be your missions pastor. I don't, I don't think I've even been on enough missions trip to qualify, you know? Like, I haven't got my passport stamped enough. And, um, and then I was like, okay, Lord, which one is it? And it was like, he's like, pick. I was like, okay, Lord, let's do the you again. Maybe I didn't ask you clearly enough. Like, which one is it? Is it Orlando or is it Denver? And it was like, pick. I was like, okay. <laughs> this is like one of those times where like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what you want from me. Just like, I'm doing the right thing, right? Like I'm submitting to you. Like, is, if you tell me, I'll do it. He said, okay, pick. That's what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> and I was like, and it was one of those, and it doesn't happen often, or I don't think it happens all the time, but it was one of the situations where what I was starting to realize is like, sometimes God will bless either way. <laughs> Like, it's not like it has to always be one or the other. And I, one thing I remembered thinking was, I, like, my decision has finality. Like, as if my decision can override what God's ultimate plan is. Like, if I'd gone to Denver and God wanted me in Orlando, that I could somehow stop it. Like, it wouldn't, like, it, it wasn't, but it was like, I'll bless either way because it was one of the situations where God was like, man, I give good gifts. Pick. And, you know, that might not be all situations. It might be like, man, Lord, right now it's between McDonald's and Taco Bell. I don't, like, those don't seem like good choices right now. And, but I, I think it causes us to have to ask the question, I mean, like, when hearing from the voice of God, what stops us from being obedient? And for me, it wasn't that I didn't want to submit. I was willing to. For me, it was I misunderstood that God gives me good things and that I thought that he, like, if I messed up, I lost out, you know? And so, um, I, I, side note real quick. Yeah. Can we just take a second and just honor you because we love you? It, I think it's one year now that you've been taking this job. So yeah, I should have corrected. It wasn't that this wasn't my first choice. It wasn't my first offer. You know? yeah. I, I didn't know. I was like, Lord, I'll I think it's like almost it like wasn't, to date one year. Right. But it, uh, like, praise God that you, a month, you picked a month, this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the one thing that stopped me, I was like, Lord, I just like, I hate the heat and I miss the four seasons. And if I'm okay to shovel six feet of snow, I never have to deal with humidity again. You know, that was literally my heart. And the Lord was like, pick. And I was like, ah, okay. Now I feel guilty. Anyway, Lindsay, before we, we 
because I know we have a couple minutes left. We have a piece of paper on our lap that we've been holding on to. Um, and so I would love for, for you to kind of guide us this exercise. I think that kind of alludes to this. I mean, like, how do I, how, how can I direct my life or submit to God in decision-making um, when it doesn't feel like he's giving me a concrete answer? Yeah. And actually, what you guys said, I mean, was so good and part of this hand. So this is called the wisdom hand. So I want you to, did I go through this with you, Chloe? Yeah, that's right. I knew I did one of you. Um, so I want you to think back to first grade, second grade, when you were a kid and you loved to trace your hand. So trace your hand on this page. <laughs> uh, f- fingers open or closed? Uh, it doesn't matter. You just it matter. pick. Just choose. Okay, and listen, the Lord will bless it. The Lord will bless I am you teaching way. you. I am doing this like this so that you can then replicate it. Okay, so that you can teach other people. This is a really easy tool for how to make basic wise decisions. Okay, so you should be done unless you forgot how to trace your hand. <laughs> So these, what I would say, are the five elements, five most important elements when considering what would God have me do? How would I make a decision in this, whatever it is? So this is in no particular order. So on the thumb, write God's word. How is God's word speaking to me? There is God's general will and his specific will. His general will is for all people. So it's when God says, be kind and compassionate, be filled with the spirit. This is what he wants for all people. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are all his general will. Um, and those are the, is a great place to start with understanding what has God already commanded me and is what I'm choosing to do, does it, does, is it aligned to that? Um, your specific will is what he wants you specifically to do. Um, secondly, you can write, um, surrendered to the Lord. Am I surrendered to God? And this would be the Spirit-filled life. Is the Holy Spirit filling me? We know he's inside the life of a believer, but is he controlling me? Have I surrendered this thing to God? Is it his? Like, and you can think of it like this, because this is how, what I do all day long, is I take my idea of how I want my day, day to go, and I go like this, and then I'm like, oops. And I go, okay, Lord, here it is. And I go, oops, <laughs> here it is. And this constant conversation of, okay, Holy Spirit, you have this. And these are in the little things, you know, but also the big things, you know, who, who should I marry? Should I take this job? Should I move to this location? Lord, am I surrendered to whatever you'd have for me? <clears throat> and thirdly, prayer. Am I praying about it? Philippians says, um, Bring all, the, all your prayers, all your concerns to God. And the peace of God, which pa- surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When will the peace come? After we bring our prayers. And actually, it says after you're thankful too. Um, so there's that. <laughs> you can thank him in advance for how he's going to respond. And these prayers are not necessarily, Lord, tell me what to do. That is part of it. But it's processing with God, saying, God, I know you are this. You are, this. You are good. You are faithful, God. I trust you with this area of my life and this decision, and I want to bring myself under your authority. Fourth, seek wise counsel. And I would say, wise counsel is not people who will say what you want them to say. (laughs) Wise people are not people who will say what you want them to say. And you avoid the people who you know have different thoughts. 
So, and I thought Caleb just talked about wise counsel very, very well. Um, but thinking about how, who are the people in my life that I could just say, what do you think? I, I'm thinking of this. What do you think of this for me? Do you think this is aligned with the Lord and what he'd have for me? Um, and to process with those people, two or three, it doesn't have to be a lot. And then lastly, consider your passions and your spiritual gifts. Consider how you're wired. How has God made you? And a caveat to this is I often think that a majority of the world does not get to make decisions based on what they are passionate about. And I think that's very important to consider because I think we, we talk a lot about our passions in the Christian church even. Um, in, in my ministry, okay, what are you passionate about? Does this fit who you are and what you love to do? Does it bring you life? Well, Jesus said, he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it which goes back to surrender. Oh, and I think Danielle talked about surrendered heart and bringing ourselves under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I do, think, I do think God still works within how he has wired us. But I, I can't help but think of Moses. And if you know the story of Moses, who wrote like, you know, the first five books of the Bible, um, he, he really didn't, he didn't want to go at first, right? God told him, you're going to go and you're going to rescue my people. And he's like, uh, no, um, not me. Did, did you know that I stutter, that I like don't like speak well, that you got the wrong guy? And God, hear this, God speaks to him like audibly and tells him, no, no, you go. I'm the one who gives words. Like I'm the one who made your mouth. He literally says that. And Moses still says, send somebody else. <laughs> so he sends Aaron. <laughs> Aaron speaks for him. And eventually Moses finds his voice and then writes some of the most profound and rich texts that we have of God's word today. I mean, isn't that incredible Amen. how God does that? Um, I, off to the side, you can write circumstances. I do not want it on your hand. Now, circumstances, I do think, can um, speak to how God is leading us. But sometimes our circumstances say one thing, and God is leading us to another. Sometimes our circumstances say, stay, and God's still saying, go. So I, I think that they are not, oftentimes I do think that uh, circumstances are the leading, how we lead with in our making our decisions. So well, the door opened and God provided all this money. Um, but I can't tell you how many times in my life where the circumstances didn't line up, but everything else did. And that's where I went. And sometimes God would did line the circumstances up, but that's not the reason why I made decisions that I did or tried not to anyway. And God is faithful and he will redirect when we go the wrong way. And I'm just going to tell you one story. Do I have time for one story? Yes. Okay. It's for me, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was coming down to Orlando and I was planning on, I was, our crew national headquarters is down here. I was coming down because I was going to go overseas and I was going to be a part of our national ministry in the Pacific Islands. I was going to island hop. Like that was going to be my job. And I was going to um, be in Fiji and Tahiti and I was going to raise up men and women in those countries to know Christ and make him known. And I was going to equip them. And then I was going, going to go on to the next island and the next island. And this was like the dream. Like this is what I felt like God made me for this. I've been on staff with my ministry for like, I don't know how many years at the time, 12 years. And I sensed that God was leading me to that. And so I went, I took the next step. I did the next thing. I said, this is where you're leading. And then I got to Orlando and I met this guy named Kevin 
And I had told my HR person, worst case scenario, um, scenario, I go to, I go to Orlando and I meet somebody. Like I, my heart was set on a Kiwi or an Aussie guy at this point, because that's where I was going to be. Um, so I get to Orlando, I hear about this guy, Kevin, who has this vision for how he's going to reach the world through Walt Disney World. And I was captivated, probably by Ewohama and the vision. I didn't really know which, probably both, um, but God used it. And God began to stir my heart for um, what was happening here. In the meantime, I went on this vision trip to, I, I had gone over, I was in Vanuatu, um, and I was there to kind of prepare to go. And it was very hard living. Um, and I realized I really need to know that God has called me here to be able to live like the people I'm ministering to because it's a developing country. And I wasn't going to be like island hopping girl that I kind of in my head imagined as I did ministry. Um, I was going to be living with the people. And I was not sure that God was really sending me. And I processed with wise people and I sought God's word and God redirected me. Now, listen, I raised money for my job. And I had told everybody who supported me that I was going overseas. And so I went back and I was like, actually, I'm not. <laughs> I'm staying here. And one of the women who was on my financial support team, she's like, oh, yeah, God told me last year that you weren't going to go. And I was like, well, you could have given me a heads up about that. <laughs> I don't know how God spoke to her. But it actually was what I needed to hear that these people were on my team, not because of where I was, but because they believed in what God was doing in my life. And I am confident that was a, a hard season for me of being like, God, did I hear you wrong? Like I really was, was the most confident I'd ever been about where God was leading me. And I still don't know the answer to that, but I know that God had a purpose in bringing me here. I would not have come down to Orlando apart from that. And I learned how to just sit in the mystery of God's will and his leading, that sometimes I just don't know, you know, why he leads me one way and then redirects me another. But I can trust in this moment that he's leading me here. And I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to know 10 chapters ahead of my life. And I'm glad I didn't because I would have freaked out um, <laughs> because God had not given me grace to walk through those chapters yet gives you grace to walk through the chapters he's asking you to walk through today. And he's leading you in what he's asking you to walk through and live in and serve him in today. So don't get too far ahead of yourself because um, we know the world is chaos and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But as Matthew says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things all these things will be added unto you. And what is this kingdom? A professor once explained it to me as God's people and God's place under God's divine rule and authority. Literally meaning God's kingdom is where we are submissive to God, who is our king, who will lead us as we trust him. I'm so tempted to leave it there because that's amazing. Um, okay, we do have five minutes. So we're going to do a quick just... I'm going to ask a question and I'm hoping one of y'all can just give a quick response. And even if it, you don't feel like it's enough time, we're going to try. Um, just even basing, and this question really is kind of basing off of what you described. Um, but are there things that would keep me from hearing the voice of God? How can I cultivate a life that helps me hear from God better? Well, first, definitely seek the words he's already given us. Um, if you're not like seeking the, the, his word and reading his Bible, then you're missing out on, on the easiest tool that we have, you know? So I would say that would be definitely the first step. Um, and then, like Lindsay was saying, just 
being submissive to the spirit. I think you can feel it as, as a believer in your heart. You can feel when you are not stepping in line with the spirit because he will convict you, which is a blessing. Convic- conviction is a blessing because then you know when you're walking in sin and you know when you're walking in willful, willful disobedience. And the Lord says that when you, when you are willfully suppressing the spirit, you know, then you're not going to hear from him. So I would say then the way that you would not hear from the Lord is if you are choosing like sin as in a repetitive behavior in your life for a season. Yeah, I think that's a good response. And especially like, you know, we, we often think like sin is horrible because it causes, like there's consequences for it. But often I think the biggest downside or the downfall of sin is continual blindness to the Lord. You know, like if, if he is the one that answers all things, he's the one who provides all things, and then suddenly we, we indulge in our sin. It's happened to me when I've indulged in my sin. Like even, even when I try to go back to him, even when I try to read my word, it's like I can't even receive what's there, you know, because I've, I've bought more into my sin than I bought into to the goodness of God. Well, it's also because you're choosing to ignore the word he's giving you, which is stop your sin. Like he's speaking that to you. He's like, if you're not going to listen to that, why would I say anything else? You're not, you're hurting yourself by continuing in your sin. And I think simply just confess it to him. Agree with him that you've done it. Receive his forgiveness that's already yours and walk in his power. Like it's that easy in a moment we can confess our sin. On my drive over, I spent time confessing my attitude toward my kids today. I was like, I can't sit up here and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through me if I'm like sitting in my sin of how I treated my kids today because I just was tired and annoyed and not a great mom. And I needed to bring that before the Lord and bring it before my kids, which I did actually before I left the house, but I realized I hadn't brought it before the Lord. And, And just trust that the Holy Spirit is at work. I think sometimes we kind of think that we need to then do penance or something, and we don't believe in that. So, like, we can, in a moment, walk in his power as soon as we confess sin to him. And I think after you confess, you realize that he wasn't silent. Like, in looking back and then those times of your sin, you can see his hand the whole time. And you're like, gosh, God, you are so good to continue to pursue me even in the midst of my repetitive sin, you know, and you see his hand after the fact. It's when we're in the middle of it that we got these blinders on of, I only care about what I want. Yeah. Uh, last question, and I know we even talked about how this is probably the biggest one, that, but I'm going to try to, we're going to just try to answer this as concisely as possible. Um, what do I do when people say, God spoke to me and he said blank? Um, should I believe them? How do I handle that? Have fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we talked about there's two ways to look at the question. You know, first one is, what do I do if someone comes up to me and says, God told me to tell you this, right? So kind of like you are saying, your friend said, oh, God told me you were not going to go. It's like, why didn't you tell me? You know, you might not have believed them anyways. But, <laughs> and then the second way to look at it is, um, uh, man, I, pff, I'm just so excited. God told me that I should, you know, do this. And uh, sometimes when you're on the other end of that, listening to that, you're like, that doesn't sound like God, you know, uh, or it does sound like God. And how do I affirm that? You know, so those are two ways to look at that question. Um, your guys' turn. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I think I got to be really honest with you guys. I think you said humility earlier and that really resonated with me. I mean, like walking humility is so important. And what I mean by that is when someone comes to me and says, I think God told me this, I know God um, wants me to honor that person. So even if they're totally wrong and I don't trust their relationship with God and I think they're a liar, um, I can still honor them and I can listen. And then I can take that and I can bring it to God and say, God, I don't trust this person's character or relationship with you, but I trust that you can still speak through crazy people. And so, because she does, right? So is this from you? And then if he makes it clear through his word that it's not, you can reject it. There's no, there's no problem with that, right? So you can receive it if it's from his word and you can reject it if it's not. Um, and so that's kind of how I see it is, is when someone comes to me and says, I, God told me to speak or God told me to tell you this. And then what's really, really also a deeper way to look at it is like, there's some people in my life when they speak, I believe God is speaking through them. And that is so cool, but that also can be just as dangerous because now I'm letting them be the mediator from, between me and God. And they're not. Jesus is my mediator. Like I have them in my life to give me great wisdom, but they're not my mediator. Jesus is. And so there's actually a danger in the people who are really good at hearing God's voice speaking into our lives because we can rely more on them than truly the the access we have to our Heavenly Father. And so just like the Bereans with Paul, Paul was definitely speaking to them what God told him to tell them in Acts chapter whatever, 18. But they still went and double-checked. And so no matter what, honor the person and then go to the Lord. The problem is we're so busy sometimes we just either reject or receive in that moment and it's just not godly. Um, if someone truly says, God told me to say this, we should take that seriously. And I think we should create a culture around here at Young Adults where we don't say that lightly and we don't, and we don't take it lightly when someone says it. I think unfortunately that that happens on either side of the spectrum. There's cultures of young adult com- communities where everyone's like, God told me this, God told me this, God told me this. And then it's like, it is flippant. And then prophetic truth is watered down and we don't want that here but also on the reverse there's legitimate people speaking to our lives godly things and we won't even take the time to to search them out or respond to them because we think we don't need it so that's a good answer and uh as we finish our time like what i've been even like mulling it over i know often we ask god to speak because we want the next step um, but it seems like God doesn't speak for that reason. Like, I'm like, why does God speak? Like, like why does God say anything, right? Like, like, this is a holy God. Like, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. Like, but why would he choose? Because, like, God doesn't need to speak, right? Like, he condescends himself to even do a human action like speaking. Like, he, he thinks something and it happens. And, it, and so what would it be, like, what would drive him to do so? And, and as I'm hearing your responses, I hear the questions being asked. You know, like, I would encourage you all. I'm, I'm not telling you don't ask God for the next step. But often I think what God is trying to reveal to you is not make a left or right here. It's put your faith in me and that's it. Like, that, like, like every time I think of, like, God speaking, you go, oh. Like, even when he was speaking to, to, to Isaiah or to Elijah in the, in the cleft, like, he wasn't saying any, like the, what he said wasn't, yes, it was important what he said, but what he was trying to communicate is, man, like, I'm faithful. I'm good. I'm true. I'm your, I'm your strength when you are weak. I'm, you know, in Jesus, is all the I am statements in, in John. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He gives them direction to him. 
not to the next thing of like, should I marry this person? Like that in the scheme of things are so small. And honestly, they will, they'll be in their right place. They are small when, when you put them next to Jesus. Cause like, do I, like, what do I really want direction on? Do I really want direction on who I marry or what job? Or do I want direction towards the one who has my whole life in his hands, you know? And so, I mean, did you want to say something to that? Yeah, well, just when we do actually look at examples in Scripture of God speaking to people after the Spirit has come on people at Pentecost, right? Because the people in the New Testament after the Pentecost are most like us now because they're people filled with the Spirit. And the instances when you look at those times, like well, the first instance in Acts when um, Philip goes to talk to the, um, the Ethiopian soldier, the Spirit told him, it says, God said, go. God said, go talk to that guy. But what was God doing? What was the purpose of it? All of the instances are always to create disciples and to spread the gospel, which is the whole purpose of the Great Commission, which is what the last thing that Jesus told us to do, that that's our whole purpose, is to go create disciples and baptize people among all nations. That was also the first time that a Gentile was a believer, was that Ethiopian person. So it really was that next big step of going to the nations and baptizing. So like you said, keeping that, that's our forefront. That's the whole point of the kingdom is to create disciples and baptize. Thank you all for your time tonight. Can we get a Miranda applause? <laughs> hands together. Thank you all. Appreciate that. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.